Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. One of the great stories in the Talmud features a potential convert and expresses a willingness or a desire to convert on condition that Shammai can sum up the entire Torah standing on one foot. For a wide variety of possible reasons, Shammai rejects this request or this challenge and in fact chases the man out of his house with a stick. This same man goes to Hillel, another rabbi at the time, and offers the same challenge. I will convert on condition that you teach me the entire Torah standing on one foot. And Hillel, for a variety of possible reasons, accepts the challenge. And we don't know if he stood on one foot or not, but he tells him, that which is hateful to you, do not do unto others. The rest is commentary. Now go and learn. It is interesting to note that this message, that which is hateful unto you, do not do unto others, is not in the Torah. But it seems clear that he is basing this on the verse in Vayikra, Leviticus 19, 18, where it says, Lotikom Velotitur et Beneamecha, do not take revenge or hold a grudge against members of your nation. Ve'ahavta Larecha Kamocha, and love your Reacha, your neighbor or your friend or your comrade, Kamocha, as you love yourself. Ani Hashem, I am God. Hillel is not the only sage who thinks that this verse is the central verse in the Torah or expresses one of the central tenets of the Torah. Rabbi Akiva himself, the great sage and rabbi, said that, Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a klal gadol in the Torah. Meaning, perhaps, this is a theme in the Torah or this is a message in the Torah that covers many aspects of life. And if you do this, then you will be covering much of what the Torah requires of us. What's left to figure out is pretty much everything. The verse itself, why is this attached to that relatively pedestrian message about not taking revenge and not holding a grudge? But perhaps more importantly, what does ve'ahavta mean? What is love? Who is re'acha? What does it mean to love your re'acha, your neighbor or your friend or your comrade? What is kamocha? What does it mean to love them like you love yourself? Is that even possible? It's particularly interesting for our purposes today in light of a comment made by Rabbi Yitzchak Hutner, who wrote that essential to the fulfillment of this mitzvah is that it has nothing to do with the particularity of this person. Rather, it has to do with shared brotherhood, with camaraderie, with being of the same nation. And it has nothing to do with the personal qualities of the individual. You can see the great and vast advantage of 
tying this mitzvah of loving my neighbor like I love myself to a shared camaraderie or brotherhood, nationhood, because it relieves us of the obligation of liking something about this particular person. It turns out not to matter if I like this person. I'm still obligated to fulfill this mitzvah concerning that person. And once I've opened this up, particularly in light of what we studied last time, in terms of the blurring of the boundary between a chaver, a friend, and a chavruta, a learning partner, suddenly I'm encouraged or required to see every single person in the world as a potential chavruta. Recall the relationship between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Theirs was a relationship that was based upon very little in common. Rabbi Yochanan, an established rabbi. Reish Lakish, a bandit or a pirate. And here they are, united by a certain holy combativeness, a kind of holy polarity and polarization that allows them to bring their differences into a productive union. With this in mind, everyone is a potential chavruta and a potential friend, as long as I can find a way to establish a point of connection, along with a way to avoid the tensions or the potential pain or damage that could emerge if the combative side of our relationship is allowed to go out of control. And we saw that happen with Reish Lakish and with Rabbi Yochanan. And if I can accomplish this and I can get over the obstacles and get over any resistance that I might have, then that puts me squarely in the lesson that Rabbi Nachman teaches in Lesson 34, Paragraph 4, where he says, Every single member of the Jewish people has some reflection of or some expression of this trait called tzadik moshel. Each person is a tzadik in some way, a righteous person. Moshel, there is some realm, there is some aspect or facet of the world over which that person has ownership and responsibility. And Rabbi Nachman spells it out further, because every member of the Jewish people has something precious. It is a point. Something that their friend does not have, that no one else has. And Rabbi Nachman brings as an example a story about the Rabbi Abaye. Abaye was one of the two or three most influential rabbis of his generation. And the Talmud tells us that every week, once a week, a voice would come out from heaven and say, Good Shabbos, Abaye. But it turns out there was another person in that generation whose name was Abba Umana. And a voice would come out from heaven every day and say, Good day, Abba Umana. And Abaye wondered. Why would it be that 
this voice only comes out and greets me once a week, and yet it comes out and greets Abba Umana every day. And he wondered why. And they told him about Abba Umana. And Abba Umana was a bloodletter, and he had certain practices that made his bloodletting business very holy and very special. And even though he was not an influential rabbi, he had some traits that in a certain area or in certain respects made him even more impacting, even more influential than Abaye. These included having special garments that were open in the back but closed in the front so that he could serve his female patients without seeing more of their body than would have been appropriate. He also had a hole in the wall where people could put payment and he would never know how much money people were paying for the services that he rendered in order to not embarrass them. And Rabbi Nachman tells us that this aspect, this facet that one person has that the other person doesn't have, the person who has it is mashpia, umeir, umeorer. That person gives influence. That person has impact through this thing. And umeir, they shine, they illuminate other people's lives through this trait. Umeorer lev chavero, and they arouse the heart of their friend. And everyone else needs to get that trait from this person because this person is the expert in that area and no one else has it. So if you want to have that, which you do, then you have to go to that person. So in this sense, everyone becomes a resource. As long as I can find a way, as long as I can get over my judgments about who this person is in my eyes, and I can circumvent the surface differences that we have, I can then see this person as an amazing resource. And in this model, Rabbi Nachman keeps using the word chaver, chaver, chaver. This person is your friend. So I'm required to love all the people like I love myself. I'm required to overlook any particular personality qualities or traits that this person has. I'm required to find something in everyone that is infinitely valuable and that I need in order to move and to progress in my own devotion, my own development as a human being. And I'm required to make everyone into a chavruta regardless of how much commonality we have, like Reish Lakish and Rabbi Yochanan. And let me say, lest I sound ambivalent about this, that I think this is a fabulous way to live, and I strive to live in this way. But I also feel and sense a danger here, which is that I never really have close friends. Everyone is my friend equally, Friendship has nothing to do with liking. Friendship only has to do with value. It has a certain utilitarian aspect where all my friendships are designed to literally benefit my personal development, my progress and devotion. And yet that's not how we tend to experience and to see the friendships that we have. While we can and certainly should do everything we can to love everyone, especially in the way that this love is defined, for example, by Maimonides, where he says that it is a mitzvah for every person to love every other member of the Jewish people like their own body. As it says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Therefore, we must tell of those persons' praises. 
we must extol their virtues. And we should be concerned for that person's possessions and their property and their money. Just as a person would be concerned for their own property and their own money. But these seem to be expressions of ve'ahavta, of you shall love, which feel very different from the way we think about friendship and relationship and love in this day and age. It very well may be that when the Torah is describing love, whether it is love for God or love for the stranger or love for our comrades and friends, it may be that 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 love is almost always expressed as a physical act, as a sense of tangible concern for that person's honor and that person's status and that person's well-being and that person's possessions and their safety. And that is what the Torah meant by Ve'ahavta. It wasn't calling for a great and vast identification in some inner and personal way. It was simply requiring us to be concerned in those very actionable and surface ways. And yet, now, in this day and age, many of us feel and want and seek a different kind of love, something that goes deeper. Something that is more than simply making sure that our friends' honor and their possessions are maintained. And the truth is that there are not many models of this kind of friendship in Tanakh, in our written tradition. But one that sticks out and is so important is the story of Ruth. Recall that Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, had traveled with her husband, Elimelech, and her sons, Machlon and Chilion, to the land of Moab, when there was a famine in the land of Israel. Those two sons, Machlon and Chilion, each took a wife. One's name was Ruth, one's name was Orpah. And not long thereafter, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, and Machlon and Chilion, her sons, all died, leaving Naomi with her two daughters-in-law, Ruth and Orpah. At a certain point, Naomi got information that the famine had ended, and she decided to head back to her homeland, to Eretz Yisrael, and to Beit Lechem. And she told her daughters-in-law. She tried to send them home to their respective parents' houses, and Orpah agreed to go. But Ruth did not. The verse says, Vatishak Orpah Lachamota. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. The root davkaba, and root cleaved to her. Naama urged her to go back, like her sister-in-law, Orpa. Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her nation and to her God. You go now also after your sister-in-law. And Ruth said to her, Do not prevent me. Do not be an obstacle to me. Do not confront me in this way. To abandon you and to walk away from you. Because where you go, I'll go. 
and where you sleep, I'll sleep. Your people are my people. Your God is my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Thus shall God do to me and more. Because only death will separate you and I. This is obviously more than just, I will make sure that when people mention your name, I extol your virtues. And I will make sure that no one touches your property like I would want no one to touch my property. Clearly, we've gone to another level. The root davkaba, root cleaved to her. This sounds a lot more like the way we would use the word best friend in the modern sense. It's not just, I will extol your virtues. It's not just, I will make sure no one steals your donkey. It's that I want to be with you all the time. I want to spend time with you all the time. This is more than I want to learn from you or even I have to learn from you. Where does that come from? Is that something that can be cultivated or does it just happen? Is it something we can live without and it's a luxury or is it a necessity? Is it something which is always mutual, ever mutual, ideally mutual? Does it matter? These are the, some of the questions that we'll explore as we move forward in our understanding of friendship and the different ways that we are seen and met and held and challenged and cherished.